It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I want to start a, a mini-series this morning that uh, titled Rapture Ready. Last week we talked, uh, or last couple weeks we talked about signs of the times. And uh, no doubt the last 40 days, last uh, over 40 days, we've seen some interesting things. What all has happened. And, you know, remember when we talked about that Sunday before the solar eclipse, we said 40 days from now, which would have been September the 29th, that's going to be a time that would be Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And uh, that, that whole set time of 40 days was a time of reflection, searching inside, seeing where we are with the Lord and see if there's anything that we need to repent of, anything that we need to change. And boy, have we had a lot of opportunity to take some uh, inward looks, amen, and to look around for the last uh, 40-some days. Ha- hasn't it been interesting? I mean, can you imagine? Just, um, just think back what has happened the last, over the last 40 days across the world. Now, we've been pretty focused here in Texas, but then in Florida and then, of course, in Puerto Rico and the, the Virgin Islands, all through there. But not only there, people. Uh, Tim sent a text one morning, was showing just around the world what all was going on, horrible flooding in Asia and various things like that all over the world. And so it's been amazing. It reminds me, or just it should remind us that at any time, if God just steps back like that just a little bit and, and things are released, that how devastating uh, nature can be. And so God is holding all things together. Colossians says that he created all things, and, and, and through him all things hold together. All things hold together through him. It's pretty amazing. So without him, things fall apart. And so through him, all things hold together. That means without him, everything's falling apart. Everything collapses. And so sometimes God just does a little bit of a like, just like that a little bit, just to let us see what can happen. We know prophetically that there will be a time in the end days of, in the last three and a half years of a seven-year tribulation time that's called the time of Jacob's trouble when some horrible things are going to happen. And that's when God just steps back and just, and it just, here it comes. And, uh, so we, we've been taking a little bit of a look at some things of how that uh, the signs are being fulfilled in, in, our, in our day and age. But I really, to th- this week as I've been praying, God says, just take a focus of what the whole purpose is here. <laughs> you know, we get nervous sometimes about the coming of the Lord and think, well, you know, am I going to be ready, this and that. And, and it just sometimes we, it gets a little scary. It shouldn't be. We ought to be really filled with joy. We also ought to be filled with uh, an urgency that um, compels us to go and to win the lost. It ought to give us an urgency that, that time is short. And what we need to do, we need to do now. The day is almost over, Jesus said, that, or, and, the night, and the night has come. You know, work while it is day, for night comes when no man can work. And that's coming. It's happening. More prophecy scriptures have been fulfilled in the last generation over the last 50, 60 years than ever before in history. So it's pretty neat times, it really is. But let me give you a little synthesis of theology. How about, can we do a little teaching today? You know, you could spend about $25,000 to learn all of this in detail, but how about just for the next 40 minutes, a little synthesis of theology. Theology simply means the study of God who he is, who is God, and uh, what he, thank you, sir, and what, uh, what he's all about. And see, I think that it really starts with, the, with two questions. Um, why was I created? You know, maybe sometimes we think about it. Why was I born? Why was I created? And, and um, you know, why am I here? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Why did God create me? And if he, if he created me, then what's my purpose? Have you answered those two questions? Do you know that for sure? Do you know all of that? Maybe we seem like we kind of wander around. Maybe if we were put in a pinball machine, we'd be going, boom, boom. do they still have those? How many of you ever played pinball? Let's see. Wow. They need to bring them back. <laughs> you know, the ball goes down and it hits these things and it jumps all around. That was before. That was the first electronic games, I guess, you know. Was, um, but Mark Twain made this statement. <clears throat> he said the two most important days in our life are the day that we're born and the day you find out why. 
Those are the two most important days of your life. We need to discover those things. And when we do, you'll be on a journey. You'll be on a, a race. As the, the Apostle Paul likes to define his purpose, his mission, he called it a race. And he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. He said, I've got a purpose in my running. I've discovered who I am and why I'm here. And now then I, I, I understand my race and I'm going to press with everything I have toward the end of this race to win Christ as my bridegroom. He's coming. We need to get ready for the rapture. In Revelation 19:7, it says, His bride hath made herself ready. She made herself ready. Now, we make ourselves ready by understanding what our purpose is, by understanding why we're here. You know, what, what's up, God, and, and what am I supposed to do? And the way I'd like to break it down, try to simplify this thing, is in five particular areas. Because when you stand before God, we have to give an account for everything that we've done here, right? And so, I mean, you know, we might think, okay, well, they're going to run the video, and I'll, I'll think of something. <laughs> yeah, I'll think of something. I mean, you know, uh, I did the best I could. Um, if you got stopped by a, a police officer or a law, law enforcement agent, you know, whether it's highway patrol or whatever, and uh, he said, uh, hey, uh, you were speeding. You didn't use your, sig- your, turn lane when you, your turn signal when you pulled out. And um, so... You know, he, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. And he's, oh, okay, well, that's okay. Then go ahead. You, know, uh, you were doing 95 mile an hour. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know? Okay, well, then that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Does that happen to you? <laughs> well, he said, I didn't know. And he said, you didn't know. You're supposed to watch them gauges. <laughs> Doesn't matter you know or not. You know, you're supposed, it's your responsibility to watch those things. So how do you think it's going to be when we stand before God and God says, okay, what did you do with what I gave you with the talents the abilities and the purpose that i gave you yo you gave me something i didn't know (laughs) you didn't know you just thought you woke up one day and and you did all that and you know you uh gave yourself all those talents and abilities well yeah i worked hard okay that's fine think about that for a while next (laughs) haul him off next (laughs) um we're gonna have to give an account and so we have some clues throughout the Word of God, and first of all, really, is, is understanding who God is. Satan does a good job of trying to get us to think that God is some mean, evil person, or not evil, but just some mean, uh, you know, old God that's standing up there with a stick, all big old long beard and hair, all snarl looking, and just ready to snap us, slap us if we get out of line. Just watching, you know, just ready just to, you know, just mean. That's not it at all. God loves you. God loves you. That's why we ought to be his agents of love, (laughs) right? Agents of love. Not secret agents, but we ought to be public agents of love that, that ask people, hey, did you know God loves you? Has anybody told you today that God loves you? No. Well, he does. We ought to be ambassadors of God's love. Hey, that sounds kind of theological, right? The Bible tells us that we ought to be ambassadors for Christ. And Christ was on a mission, a mission of love to bring God's love to us. So here, here's kind of how we break this down. First of all, you know, God never created anything without a purpose. So if we're wondering why God created us, well, then we know that he created us with a purpose, Right? right? He never creates anything, creates anything without, well, except for maybe mosquitoes and cockroaches, but, but I think their purpose was because of the fall. That was a part of the curse, so that they're, they're, they serve a good purpose, but um, God had a reason for creating you. In uh, Psalm 138, 8, fr- uh, from the NIV, the New International Version, and uh, the 138th Psalm, verse 8, it says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, your love, O Lord, endures forever. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. If I held up a, a, some object, you know, I, not the, you know what this is, but if I held up something and you, you didn't recognize it and I said, uh, there's a new invention that's out. I picked one up today. It's, it's newly invented. And uh, so I'm holding it up here and you're going, 
Well, that's, that's cool, brother. Pastor Paul, uh, what is it and what does it do? Isn't that what we, the question we'd ask? What is it and what does it do? It's not worth anything if, if we don't know what it is and what it does. If we can't use it, if it has no purpose, then it's no good, right? So how do we find out the purpose? There's two ways to find out the purpose of something. Either you ask the inventor, the creator, what is it? Or you read the instruction manual, right? Well, the same way it is with us. If we want to know what our purpose is, we either ask the creator or we read the instruction manual. Both of them have a good input for us. And so God will fulfill his purpose, is what the psalmist said, for us. Lord, your love endures forever. Now that gives us a little insight about that his purpose is connected with his love. God loves you. Have you ever heard this this statement? God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Boy, we've heard that, haven't we? But you know, that's so simple, but yet it's so deep. I mean, the love of God is just so amazing. If we try to start to figure it out, it's just like, how can we figure it out? Because, I mean, how could God love? <laughs> how, could, <laughs> how could God love me, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, how could God, <laughs> how could he love some of us? Really? I mean, think about it. His love loves the unlovable. Wow. And he chooses to do that, even when we don't want him to. It's pretty amazing. Um, the message translation says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. Let me read it to you, unless you have a copy of the message with you. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone is this glorious living. Before we ever, I like the way it says, long before we ever even heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us and had designs for us. Glorious living. His design, his desire is for us is glorious living. Cool. What is glorious living? And we, you know, our mind just kind of goes out through here trying to, understand what is glorious living and of course we well we can think of a lot of things we think that would be but you know god really does have something for us he has a plan for us the new international version says in colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 through 20 uh it says for and i was quoting this a while ago but it says for by him all things were created by him all things everybody say all things all things were created Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and, and what? Created by him and for him. All things were created for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Now people, that's amazing. That's something, if you can get a hold of this, when things are falling apart, you need to go to the secret place of the Most High. You know, the psalmist says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, the influence of the Almighty. Wow. I want to, I want to, if I get stopped for dry, I want to be under the influence of the Almighty. <clears throat> they can take my blood and find out, hey, there's royal blood running through his veins. He's under the influence of the Almighty. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, you know, like they said, if, uh, if you were, uh, you know, if you were charged for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> you know? Oh, we think about it. <clears throat> so it says, all things were created by him and for him, and he is a Uh, before all things and in him all things hold together the message says that last part like this everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him he thought about it he designed it he made it for his pleasure now he don't need anything god doesn't need you he doesn't need me he doesn't need any of this stuff to be god i mean he was god before there was anything and without anything he'll still be god he doesn't need anything to add to his um, almightiness, okay? 
And he, he didn't create any peers because he's above all things. And, and through him, all things hold together. He's holding it together. Did you know that this earth is set on an axis that if it would just change like one degree, we could burn up? Or if it would go the other degree, one degree, we'd freeze to death. But all things are held together. He holds all things together. Sometimes he just kind of like lightens his, like lifts a little pinky a little bit and floods break out. You know, just billions of gallons can just go like that. And he, oh, how'd you like that? (laughs) Wow. Again, the message says, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So we should find our purpose in him. It's very, very important that we do this. If not, what happens is we kind of sputter around a little bit. We'll get excited for a while, and then we'll, we'll wear down. I've noticed something about dogs. <laughs> great, great philosophy here. I've, I've noticed something about dogs. I think I was telling Daryl and I had a discussion one day, and this old, uh, this old loner, a guy that lived up in the hills, he uh, was a pretty wise man, and and uh, a young man was talking down in the town one time. He says, you know, I just don't know what life's all about. I just don't know why are we here? What's it all about? And uh, I said, well, you know what? You ought to go up and talk to old, old Bill up there on the hill, you know, and he can let you know. So the young man climbs the hill, and he goes up there, and he sees uh, the old man out there digging potatoes. And so he goes over, and, and uh, he says, hey, uh, do you, you mind if I ask you a question? Yeah, just digging potatoes. And so uh, he says, I, I'm, I was told to come talk to you and, and that you could kind of help me with a couple of questions. Put potatoes in <laughs> this bucket. And, and he says, um, I, I just don't, I don't understand why life is, is like just doesn't seem like it has any meaning to it. I just don't understand that some really why I'm here because it doesn't seem like life really has a lot of meaning. The old man looked at it and he says, uh, you see my old dog over there? Yeah, that's old Blue. And old Blue, the other day he saw an old rabbit take off and man, he got on that rabbit and he was barking and chasing that rabbit and he said, I could hear old Blue bark and he says, and pretty soon I heard the neighbor's dog start to bark and they were with old Blue and here they were going, chasing that rabbit. They went further and further and I could still hear them. Now some more dogs joined in and boy, here's this, they're barking and barking and barking. Before long, all the dogs in the whole countryside are barking and barking. Then they begin to drop off one by one. They begin to drop off, but I could still hear old Blue, you know, barking and howling. He said, that, that right there ought to answer your question about meaning in life. <laughs> Goes back to digging potatoes. The guy's down there like, wow, this guy's He's lost it. You know, he's been up here on the hill too long. He said, I'm sorry. I, I still don't understand. He said, well, the whole meaning is that old Blue saw the rabbit. And he started barking. Everybody, all the other dogs, they just heard him barking. They were barking because Old Blue was barking. And w- after they got tired, they just all dropped out because they didn't have, they couldn't figure out what the meaning to the barking was. But Old Blue knew why he was barking, and he he saw the rabbit. People, we need to see the rabbit. We need to see our purpose. You know, Chris, the Christian life kind of has this. Well, some people get all excited, and pretty soon it's like, what happened to them? And people come, Pastor, I don't know what happened to them. I said they didn't see the rabbit. Now, they think I'm crazy like Bill, <laughs> old Bill. What's, they didn't see the rabbit. You know, they got all excited because Danny was excited, you know. And Danny was praising God. Well, then, whoa, Man, I'm tired. My arms are tired. Oh, Danny's still praising God. Danny saw the rabbit. <laughs> he saw the purpose. He saw the Lord. He saw worthy to be praised. And when you really catch the meaning of life, of your life, your purpose, people, it's not a matter of being fatigued. It's something that you get a desire and it, and it just, he gives us that grace, that God-given desire and power to do his will. And man, I mean, we don't wear out on that thing. But sometimes we just do it because somebody else is doing something. And we've got to understand our purpose. And God, he created you. And if he created you, he created you with purpose. Well, Pastor, then that just discourages me because now I'm really upset because I don't understand my purpose. Hey, talk to the creator or read the instruction manual. Just begin to, and he'll begin to let you know. And you know, God kind of reveals things to us gently. As, and he lets us discover who we are in him. 
and he begins to re- re- reveal certain talents and abilities to us. And sometimes they come so natural to us that we think everybody ought to be like that. And why isn't everything? And when we don't understand that that might be that we are unique in that particular area, we get mad at everybody else because they don't see it the way we see it. What's wrong with you? You know, you ought to do it such and such. No, we were created to see that that area that at that point that that side of things. Nobody in this world is perfect except Jesus. Even when the writers when they wrote the the New Testament, there was four specific angles that you know Matthew saw a particular angle, Christ the King and. Mark saw Jesus as the Son of Man, and Luke saw, uh, you know, over here like, okay, well, look, he's the, uh, the servant. He, he's the servant. He came to seek and to save those which are lost. And John saw this divine nature of God. That all of them saw something different, but they all put it together. And so we've got to read all of them to kind of start to get, get an understanding of who God is. God has purpose, and he has purpose for you. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. There's only one you. You know, the snowflakes have a certain design. I'm going to start calling you snowflake. (laughs) I mean, you are unique. You are you, the way God designed you. And sometimes you might share certain common traits with with someone else, and that's okay because a lot of times, you know, they can tell a a famous artist when he does a painting. Maybe the paintings are different, but, oh, look, the brush strokes look appear to be the same they can identify this so you might have certain traits that are like someone else but there's still going to be something that is uniquely you how many would agree with that amen and thank god for it aren't you glad god didn't make two of somebody (laughs) some of us right i can only handle one um and but see god is a god's a personal being and so uh it gives him pleasure to design other to create other beings that he can find pleasure in and so god uh has designed us and he finds pleasure in making us and and he has purpose for us and it pleased him and you know as god we look back in genesis and when god would create something and he'd sit back and it says and it says and it was good well of course it was good god's perfect and he does everything you know just right and and to his design and you know what when he made you he stepped back and said hmm Let's try again. No, no. He, he said, it is good, right? Because he saw us on down the road, not the way we are maybe right now, but how we're going to be, right? He sees the finished project, uh, product, and he says, it is good. It is good. Praise God. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 5, it says, uh, it says, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. It says that God rejoices over us as a bridegroom. And so he's prepared us and he's created us and it, he's created us with purpose. And one day what we're going to do is we make up his family. And uh, one day out of that family, he's going to take a bride to present to his son. And you say, well, why am I here on earth? Why don't we just start out in heaven? No, because we've got to get ready for heaven. We're not ready yet. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, how can this uh, corruptible, you know, we can't inherit the incorruptible. That's heaven. You, you know, we've got to put off this corruptible and put on the incorruptible. But we gotta, we're here to make a decision. This is just a deciding uh, point in time where we make a decision to either know him or not to know him, to receive him or not to receive him. And he won't force us. If God loves us, he's not going to force you to do anything, Right? So he gets pleasure out of us, and, and he has pur- we have purpose, and, uh, but what we have to do is discover that purpose and then return it to him and say, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for making me the way I am. And when that happens, God finds a pleasure in that. So he's preparing us, and he's equipping us, and he wants us then to discover those things and make ourselves ready for the rapture when he comes to take us to be with him forever and ever and uh, to present us as a bride as the bride um, again we're not forced into any relationship we are given an opportunity to make a decision a free will you know one of the things that's different about us and other things in nature is is that you know god gives us an opportunity on and choices every day on what to do and um you know he doesn't want robots that just walk around and you know, at a response, he pushes a button and we turn, you know. He wants us to, when we see him, turn and be excited that, oh, there he is, you know. I mean, that we respond to him and that we love him. So one of the first things that we can discover through our purpose is is that 
we got to understand, why did God create me? God planned uh, me for his purpose or for his pleasure. God planned me for his pleasure. So jot that down and hold that off to the side just for a second. You know, why did he create me? Why did he create me? He planned me for his pleasure. God decided that it would please him to have some children. How many parents do we have in here? Why did you decide to have kids? <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to figure out now. <laughs> it's like I said, ask that one couple, why did y'all have four kids? Because we didn't want five. That's what <laughs> but I mean, when you start out, you know, okay, before you get the experience of being a parent... <laughs> You know, before you're influenced by all those things, those trials and tribulations, when you first start out, why do you decide to have children? It's because you find pleasure in that in the sense of like just thinking about, oh, you know, having kids. And, and that's, there's just something within us that just you know, like we think, wow, that, that's going to be so neat. And just to love them. And we want to love them. We want to hold them. We want to just, you know, love them and give love to them. And we want them to love us back, right? And so we find pleasure in those thoughts. <laughs> and uh, for a while, we love them, and we love them, and we always love them. Parents always love their kids unconditionally. And it really pleases them when we love our parents back, right? You know, isn't it great? Don't you find pleasure, uh, parents and grandparents? You know, when you walk in the room, and all of a sudden, the kid's over there doing something. Oh, daddy, 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 daddy. Or poppy, poppy, poppy. And they're after. Isn't that great? That's, like, awesome. That's, like, the the greatest thing in all the world. They come running and just wrap their arms around you and it's like, wow, yes, that's what it's all about. That's why I created you. I put you in this world. I take you out. <laughs> I think that's what God says to us sometimes. But um, God created me what, to know him. And so the more we, re- we know him, we recognize his voice, you know, a little baby. Pretty soon, you know, mom's talking, looking around, where's mama? You know, knows, begins to know who mama is, knows who daddy is, knows different people. And, and so that's so wonderful. It's so pleasing when they begin to do that. And God created us. He, he, he planned you for his pleasure so that when you know him and you respond to him, it's like, yes, his heart is just full. What do you think he feels like whenever he's standing there? We go, it's like, he still loves us, but he's kind of a little bit hurt there that we didn't respond to him. God planned us for his pleasure, to find pleasure in us. Um, through the New King James Version, it says in the 149th Psalm, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. So I want you to think about that. One of the ways that we get rapture ready is understanding that God specifically created me for his pleasure. Now, my purpose then is to be pleasing to him, right? If he created me for that purpose, then I respond in that purpose by, being, by pleasing him. <clears throat> and the two greatest things that please anybody, any parent or anyone, and especially God, is to know them and to love them back, Right? Isn't that all we ask for, maybe as parents? Just know me, know who I am, know my heart, and love me back. I love you. And when there's honest, sincere love back, that's worth it all, right? Isn't that true? Isn't that the way it is really with anything? So God, out of, in his purpose, out of pleasure, he planned me before he even designed the whole universe, the galaxy. He saw me, created me, and you too. And then he designed this galaxy and this universe around us. And it was for his pleasure. Why do we give our kids stuff? Because we want them to enjoy it and we find pleasure when we see them happy, right? You know, now, if you're good, I'll give you a Christmas gift. You're going to give them a gift anyway. Don't. <laughs> Gifts are given on the basis of the goodness of the giver. Isn't that right? Because we give it to them anyway. Now, if you're bad, <laughs> so we, we push off the blame like, well, Santa's not going to get you anything, but I will anyway because I love you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so we'll blame it on Santa, you know, or this fictitious character that we can say, see, you're on the naughty list. You're on, you're on Miss Sandy's. I mean, no, you're on the... <laughs> You're on the work detail. You're on Miss Sandy's list over here. No. God loves us, and the greatest thing that we can do, if he designed us for his pleasure, our purpose then is to be pleasing to him. Why don't we? Why don't we? And how do we do that? By knowing him and by loving him back. 
by knowing him and loving him back. Now, you know, I think that everybody, in a sense, even if you talk to where the gospel's never been shared, there's a knowing within mankind of a creator. We see evidence down through history that people have been aware that there's some higher power, there's some creator somewhere, and their search is to know him. Well, the good news is is that we can share that, hey, he came to, to make himself known through the person of his son, Jesus. And that's the gospel, that's the good news, is that God loved the world so much that he sent his son. That whoever believed on him would have this everlasting relationship with God throughout all eternity and that because he loves us and when we know him who he is and we love him back man we're in that's it that's it so that's that's the whole gospel in a in a nutshell is simply knowing God and the only way to know God because some people some uh, religions will tell you oh there's many paths to God but Jesus said no man and that means woman, that means mankind, comes to the Father, yet through me. So the only way that we can come to him and to know him, which will please him, is through Jesus and knowing Jesus and what he came to do and and what his purpose is and and then just love him back. I love you, Lord. I just want to know you more. Wow. That's So our purpose is, is to know him. And see, what that boils down to and the way it grows in our life, it starts out by taking that step forward, seeing the rabbit, so to speak, and having a desire to know him, which is really an inborn tendency in every person, is by knowing him and believing in him and then returning love to him. And that doesn't just stop at salvation. It grows throughout our life, and we call it what? Worship. Worship. Extreme devotion. Loving one thing, being devoted to one thing over another thing. Have you ever heard this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love him. Wow. So we love him. We respond to him. Extremely devoted to him. Worshiping him. My worship is through my love that's expressed to him. When I, before I get up in the morning, I sit on the side of my bed God, I love you. I want to know you more today. Now, I want to say that the very first thing, before my feet hit the floor, because I don't know if there's going to be water there or (laughs) dry ground, before there's any influence, I get distracted by something else, and I forget what my purpose is. Because I need to set myself first for purpose. God, I want to know you. I love you today. I want to know you. Help me to show you my love somehow. I'm off. At the end of that day, if everything fell apart, if it was the worst day on the face of the earth, if somewhere throughout that it helped point me more to God or to trust him or in some way express my love to him when I sat down at night, even though everything fell apart, I know that I've advanced. I had a successful day, John, because you know what? I came to know him a little bit more, and that made me love him more. Because I saw how he took care of me in that situation. I learned something. Now, people, if we can keep that focus, see, we'll keep barking because we'll see the rabbit rather than just getting all excited. But then when things fall apart, we'll forget that, man. What's that all about? Just to know him and love him more. Now, we have a little saying about God's uh, will. His universal will, this is, uh, this, is, this is my saying, I try to break it down. I have to try to break it down so I can understand it, okay? I can try to keep it simple. So God's oh, universal will, okay, big, big, big will is know him and make him known. That's his will. His will for you, what's God's will for my life? Know him, make him known. How am I going to know him today? When I discover that, oh, I discovered God in a new way today. When I tell Tim about it, I'm making God known how I discovered him in this way. I'm being a witness for him. So I'm making it. So that's how simple it is. Know God, make him known. Know him, make him known. Whatever you're going through, just say, okay, (laughs) I'm going to discover God in this situation. I'm going to discover his character here in this situation. And when 
when this thing's over, when this test is over, it's going to be a testimony. I'm going to make him known in that way. People, (laughs) if you catch that, you are 90% ahead of every other Christian on the face of the earth. Are you listening to me today? If there was one series of messages that I could teach, it'd be what we're getting ready to go into. I hope it's simple <laughs> because we got to catch this thing. So the, my first pur- God's purpose for me, the reason he created me, he, he planned me out for his pleasure. And he finds pleasure in my, res- my, my purpose then is to know him and love him back. God loves me. I need to love him back. That's my purpose. I'm just here to, to love him. You know, what are you doing on the face of the earth? To love God. <laughs> Why are you here? Loving God. <laughs> People think you're crazy, but that's it. That's how some, Why are you here? I'm, I'm, man, I know God, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving him. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. But in that, see, everything that we go to do through our talents and our abilities, how when God planned us and he created us and he poured all these things into us, See, that's where our testimony and our witness of, of him is, is because we get an opportunity then to express that, how did you do that? Oh, man, God showed me how to do that. He, taught, he planned for me to do that. He planned for me to do that. I did that on purpose. Was that an accident? No, man, that, that was on purpose. That was on purpose because before God even formed this galaxy and this universe, he planned for me to be able to do that. Wow, can we live a life like that? Hmm, can we really live like that? Well, that's the first purpose. The second thing is, not only did God plan me for his pleasure, but he formed me, he formed me for his family. Now, see, God never designed us to be alone. In fact, he looked at Adam and he he turned to the Son and the Holy Spirit and said, yeah, it ain't good for man to be alone. And <laughs> it ain't going to work. We, I formed him for my family. God has a family. He, he, needs, he wants a family. And, and the reason for that is, it's not that God's lonely, right? I mean, he's not lonely. I mean, he's God. And, of course, there's the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, so he's not lonely. But he knew that we needed someone around and so he formed us for his family and placed us specifically into his family. He has a place for us in his family. And um, so he, he said that this is how that you're going to function best. But what do we seem to like want to stray away from? We don't want to be a part of that. Family. But see, the, the church is not, God's family, the, the church is not an organization. It's not a society. It's not an institution. It's not an organization. It's a family. It's a family. And he created us as object of his love, and he fashions us and puts us into his family. Um, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, from the New International Version, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So he chose us, or he adopted us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the, the creation of the world, he chose us, okay? In him, or in Christ. And Christ is the head of the church, or the family of God. One day the family is going to be called home, okay? And so God formed us to be in him. And he, uh, so it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. The New Living Translation says it like this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Well, there's a lot of words to break down that one little part of that person, but I think that sounds... It explains it so well. Listen, listen to it again. God decided in advance, okay, before he created the world, he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He wanted to do it. Nobody forced him to do it. He wanted to do it, and it gave him great pleasure to do that. Wow. You know, it's one thing to, to have a child. Sometimes people... You know, children are born, they weren't planned. Uh-oh, she's pregnant, going to have a baby. Okay, so we make adjustments and we do that. I mean, we accept that, right? It's something else to adopt a child into your family, to choose to bring that child up, to raise that child, to take responsibility for that child. 
to know that child's going to cost you about a million bucks by the time you get them to where they, hey, look at the figures. I'm not kidding. It's, you know, some of you go, oh, yeah, more than that. <laughs> Choosing to make that decision, that's a big deal, right? How I many you know what I'm talking about? Because, you know, after you've had a few kids, you might decide, <laughs> well, I'm glad they're, whew, I'm glad they're raised. But then if you chose, you know what? I think we'll just choose to pour our entire life and money and time and everything into this child and adopt him and bring him into our home. That's, that's a big decision, isn't it? Now, God did that for you. You mean so much to him that he decided to adopt you. He chose you and brought and said, I'm going to bring you into my family for this glorious life that I have planned for. And you're going to have a glorious life. I've got a purpose for you, and I am choosing you. Jesus said it like this in John 15, 16. He's going to his disciples. I think it would be like this. Look, guys, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I, he used the word ordained, or it's predetermined, chose beforehand that you should go and bring forth fruit. Fruit that would remain. Now, if you need anything, ask the Father in my name. He'll give it to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I see something in you that nobody else sees. I'm choosing you. And that day, disciples chose their rabbi. I think I want to go to Harvard. No, maybe Yale. Princeton. Princeton's pretty good. Now, that looks good on the resume. Hmm. And we choose. <laughs> but God says, no, nah, you didn't. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I saw something in you. One thing he saw is they were all working. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Hello. That, boy, that didn't go over. I told you that wouldn't work. God. It got real quiet on that one. <laughs> they had some character. He saw something in them. He predetermined. He says, I chose you. And I, I predetermined that you're going to go and bring forth fruit. That when you really know me and understand me, you're going to be so excited about my love and this glorious family that you're going to go out and tell somebody about it. And they're going to, they're going to accept that, and they're going to be a part of my family. And that, that's not going to change. That's going to last forever. That's something that lasts. You go out here and fish every day, and those fish, they last for a little while. They're gone. You eat them, they're gone. What, you know, they don't last very long. But this fish, I'm making you fishers of men. This is going to last forever for eternity. It's something that you can do and that you can rejoice with it forever. You see, you know, physical families don't last. They don't. But your spiritual family lasts forever. You know, I mean, kids grow up, get married, they leave, go to school. Uh, they have their own family. They start their own family. Someone dies, someone gets mad, whatever. And physical families kind of dissolve and start to kind of leave and move and change and fall apart, right? But this, our spiritual family lasts forever. Lasts forever. Wow, how exciting. You know, what, you know what gets me up in the morning and what brings me to church for sure on Sunday morning is I get to see my spiritual family. And to know not only am I seeing you here in, on Sunday, but we're going to spend, look, we got this thing together. We're going to be together for all eternity. Now, we ought to desire our physical family to become a part of our spiritual family so we can see them forever, right? But see, your spiritual family is not going to change. <laughs> so you know what? You better learn to love them. <laughs> <clears throat> Paul said this in one of his writings. He said, bear with one another. In the Greek, the word bear with means put up with them. <laughs> put up with them. You know, learn to love them. Learn to love them. Where else could you discover God's love? See, the Bible says that God is love, not God has love. Now, there's a big difference in that God has love or God is love. Is means it's his uh, essence, his character, what makes him who he is. He is love. Has, uh, I might run out. I'm sorry, sorry buddy. <laughs> hey, you're at the end of the line there. Ain't no more love for you. I had a rough day today, you know. Oh, kick the dog, and then you go, you know, it passes on down. You heard about that? The, the guy went to work, and the, the boss was going to work, and uh, ended up 
uh, the, the car uh, was out of gas, had to pull in and get gas. Then he's running late, so he hurries up, and he runs, and he gets a ticket. And so he's all set. He walks in, and the receptionist is there, and she has a smile on her face, and gets and says, keep all my calls. And she's like, oh, man, what's up with him? You know, and so um, the, the the lady pulling all the mail cart, she comes by the receptionist, and she says, hey, how are you doing today? Give me that mail. And here it's passing down. So the, the mail lady now, she's like, well, what's up with her? Who she thinks she is? So she walks to the next desk. Take your old mail. And here it goes, you know. And the last person in line, boy, they, you know, nobody else there at work for them. So they go home, and they're upset, and open the dog, and the dog's sitting there going, and he goes, get out of my way. Kick the dog. Poor old dog. That's it. That's where at the end of the line. Wouldn't it have been better if the boss, the CEO, would have just went around and kicked the dog over here? You know, if he would have kicked the dog, everybody else, you know, all through the middle would have had a wonderful day then, right? But, you know, see, we're going to pass that stuff down. Wait a minute. We, how do we discover God's character and his nature? We discover that through his family. People say, well, I pulled my kids out of youth because they were, you know, Cindy was fighting with Sherry. We don't have any Cindy's and Sherry's, do we? I hope not. I've tried to do an inventory, but I'm, this is all fictitious, but it's real, but the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Because <laughs> uh, they, they just can't get along. And, you know, her boyfriend did it, so we just left and go to another church. And, oh, okay. So that's real good. So what you're doing is within a God-given designed atmosphere, where we are to discover who God is and who, what his nature is, and then we teach that. Isn't that a great laboratory to learn God's love? And I want to tell you something. It's not hard to love somebody that's lovable. You thought I was talking about you, didn't you? It's hard to love the unlovable. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what real love is. I mean, love's not, you know, like when somebody loves you and they're easy to get along with. That's not love. That's easy. Real love is the ones that are unlovable. Have you ever noticed that it seems like there's so many unlovable people in church these days? <sighs> Don't worry, they've all, they've all quit. They're, they're <laughs> but that's how we learn love, isn't it? So parents, instead of taking your kids and coddling them and taking them someplace else and letting them completely miss that life lesson because one day they're going to grow up and be that a ceo that comes in and is snapping at everybody because they never learned how to get along see life is is in three stages dependent well, you know got to change diapers feed it dependent totally dependent till they get to that stage about 11 12 13 don't tell me what to do they don't say that. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You know, oh, that's old-fashioned. I know. They're independent. Dependent to independent. And so many people stay in that independent stage. But the highest form of living and understanding in relationships is interdependent. When you discover, hey, I need Tim. And Tim needs me. So I need to show up when he needs me. And, and I need him to show up when I need him and interdependent that I can do so much more with somebody else than I can do on my own. And don't be, you know, such a consumer over here that everybody's got to, you know, take care of me. Can't be dependent. Really don't need to be independent. I need to be interdependent. That's the body of Christ, people, right there. Okay? That each member helps and serves one another. We all have our purpose and we're all interdependent. We can't, can't get by without the other. You know, this little toe needs this foot. I don't know what I've been kicking. That's, part, that's from kicking the dog right there. <laughs> this, little, this little toe needs the foot to hang on to because if it doesn't have a foot to be attached to, it's no good, right? It's a toe that's going to be there swiveling up and dying. We need to be attached. So we need to discover that God formed me for his family. He designed me. He's got a family for me. Just like God places us in a natural family. And I know why God gave me our children. 
so they could live. If they were given to anybody else, they'd be dead. <laughs> they wouldn't put up with it. Stuff, you know, in the same way with you, God gave you who he placed in your family, your physical family, who he needed you to learn from or them to learn from you or whatever. He designed that same way in the spiritual family. He places us in his family. And when we want to be rebellious, we get out of his family. And we go to do our own thing because it's not what we like. Maybe we don't feel whatever we're not feeling. But if we stop trying to feel like we want to feel and just be concerned about knowing him and worshiping or loving him, then when we love him, he's given us, if God is love and we're created in his image and likeness, John says, you can't, God's the one that loves you and teaches you and gives you love. And, and who's, you can't say you have love if you don't love your fellow, your brother, your sister. That's what it all, it's, God, uh, love comes from God. And, and when we're attached to him and we're serving him, then love's going to be in us and we're going to love somebody, even the unlovable, the undesirable. Maybe you were put there just for that time when somebody is just so unlovable and you're supposed to love them. Hmm. Wow, what a mission in life. Is that you? <laughs> God, sure, only God's love through you can do that. God wanted a family, and he wanted you to be part of it. That ought to be exciting, people. It really ought to be. That is good news. Because sometimes we just think that nobody cares. What am I here for anyway? Nobody cares about me. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, stop that. Stop. No. Yes, you were created by a God that loves you. And he wanted a family, and he wants you to be part of that family. So get in the family and figure out what it is you need to be doing. It might be just loving somebody. Amen. So again, we're, uh, the, the Apostle Paul writes there in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world, before the world even got started, before he even created that, he chose us to put us into a family. He formed us specifically to put us into a family. We're not all the same. Don't expect everybody to be just like you. Well, I don't know about that church because the people down there, they're just... One people they left, you know, they were looking for the perfect church. And I said, well, don't, don't go there. Because if you do, you'll ruin it. <laughs> it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> you, you go there. Boy, that one didn't work either, God. <laughs> we just need to get back in and just say, God, I love you. And I want to be a part of your family. The Living Bible says this in First Peter, First Peter 1, verse 3. It says, it is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. I like the way it breaks it down like that. Listen to it again. It's his, speaking of God, it's his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we now are members of God's own family. It's a privilege to be born again and we're born again to be a part of his family, not to be you know, some long ranger out there. I mean, even the long ranger had Tano. I mean, you know, nobody's on their own. If they are, they're miserable. You got to choose. He's not forces you. You got to make a choice uh, to be in his family. And and First um, Timothy three fifteen in the new um, what the NCB whatever that is. It says the family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. The new century version is what. It, Listen, the, the family is the church of the living God, right? So his family is the church of the living God. It says, and then it's, this is how it describes, how he describes this, uh, this family, the support and foundation of the truth. The support and foundation. You know, without a support and foundation, everything crumbles. It falls apart. Back there, like I said in Colossians, in him, through him, all things hold together. Without support and foundation, Go around and look at any house that didn't have a good foundation. When this flood came, it's, it's set down. It's, it doesn't have any support. There's no foundation. People, our lives are, are such that we're going to face storms of life every day. And, you know, it, it, I just, doing funerals, just did a funeral this, this uh, past week. Sister Bonnie Ward, some of you might know her. She's the one that had uh, the design that did 
the vision for a lot of the banners when we bring different banners out. And she's been a wonderful woman in the, for the Lord and, and for his service. She passed away, graduated, went on to be with Jesus, and was doing her funeral. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, without a, a support and foundation of the, of the spiritual family, how do you make it through stuff like that? I've done funerals for people that weren't saved. I knew it. Funeral, call, funeral uh, home calls me. I don't just go out here to do funerals to be doing funerals. At this time. We can't find any other path. They, they didn't have a pastor. They didn't have a church. Would you? Sure, I'll do it. But you tell them, I'm gonna give it, I'll give an invitation. If you don't want an invitation at your funeral, don't call me. <laughs> okay? One of my, you don't have to, if I get paid or don't get paid, it don't matter. I'm going to give an invitation. And I've seen just hopelessness. Why? Because there's a collapse. Something has taken place. And people, when you lose a loved one, that's a devastating loss. But the foundation that we can have and the support that we can have through a spiritual family is during that collapse that they catch us and say, we love you. We love you. We're here if you need something. Let's call for some people, have them get some, uh, some food to take over to them because they might not, you know, they just, sometimes you just get so depressed, you know, I'm, I'm not hungry. Yeah, but people are going, so let's just, let's be a support. Just help them out. Let's do this. Let's do that for them. Just come around and just be a support for them. And you find out that, wow, you know, I, somehow or another, I made it through that tough time. And it's like that when I couldn't move, it just carried me through it. And that's Jesus through his family through your spiritual family and God formed you to be part of that I'm going to stop there but I got three more on those five that we need to talk about purpose of God I mean if we left today and he came back if we just did that one thing if we just know him and love him back man that gets you to heaven that gets you in the family that'll get you in the bride if you just want to know him more than you want to know anybody else, if you want to just love him more than you love anything else, that's it. That's it. Hey, guys, how many of you would, would marry a woman that says, well, okay, I'll marry you, but I'm going to go out here, and anybody I meet, I want, you know, I'm going to get to know them, and you know, I might love them too, but okay, but you know, whatever. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't think so. No, we want her to to know us know me even more that when i'm just not doing anything you know when something's happening you know they just bring you something sandy will, you know sometimes she'll just and uh well thank you wow she just knows me she knows what i you know at just different times and then me too i'll do the same thing you know and i mean it might just be i think the other night or something i i, I was thirsty now i bet she's thirsty and so i just hey honey you want some water some cool water yeah, I was wanting a drink. Yeah, just something simple. What? I know you. I know what you want. How, you got to make it a, a choice to decide to, to discover to know somebody, know what they want, right? But when that happens and you express that, it's like, wow. And then to love them? If you'll do that in your life this week, you'll find your relationship with God and your fellowship with God is going to take a giant leap. And if that trumpet sounds and the rapture comes, I'll guarantee you'll be in it. How about that? But you can't find a guarantee like that anywhere. I'll guarantee that you'll be in it. If you love him more than anything else, more than yourself, you love him more than anything else, and you want to love him back, you want to just worship him, you know what? You'll be looking, you'll be longing for his appearing. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. You know, he was longing and loving his appearing. He says, because of that, he says, it's given to me a crown of righteousness. And not to me only, but to all those who are longing and loving his appearing. I want to tell you something. That group of people that had the crowns in heaven, that's the bridal company that comes. And they present that before the Lord and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Before the foundation of the world, before it even got in existence, you already made a decision to love me. I'm loving you back. I'm loving you back every day. Every day. Start your day off like that. And then thank him that he's put you here. We need to start writing on the front door, outside those front doors, that scripture there in the New Century Version. It's a privilege to walk through these doors and call yourself a member of Light Christian Center. Woo! What? 
Are you serious? What the Bible says? It's a privilege for you to be a child of God and be a member of his family. Wow! You are privileged members. Come on, stand with me this morning. Well, that's good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Holy Spirit, you did a good job. I felt a few toes underneath there a little bit sometimes there, but they were mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you love us. You love us even more than we could ever love ourselves. You have a purpose for us. You planned out our life, and it was for your pleasure. You took pleasure in that. Lord, help us then to be pleasing to you. Give us your grace, your, your desire this God-given desire, give us the desire and the will and the power to do your will, to know you and to love you back, to know you and to make you known, to discover you and discover who we are and know that you have formed us for your family. Thank you for your family, your spiritual family. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for Light Christian Center. Thank you for the members of this church, Lord. We're going to, the relationships that we build in this spiritual family last forever. They last forever. Lord, help us to realize that and help us to make the most of our privilege. Hallelujah. Father, I'm reminded that little statement that one person said, to dwell above with those we love, that will be a glory. But to dwell below with those we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> Lord, help that not to be our attitude. Help us to search ourselves today and not to uh, be so self-centered that we miss you, first of all, and that we miss those that you've placed around us. You formed us and fashioned us to be a part of your family. With our heads bowed this morning, our eyes closed, let me ask you this question today. You might know the story about Jesus, but do you know him? And even more, have you received him as the one who presents you and brings you into God's family, your Savior? If you've received him and you've accepted him and you know that you're a part of the spiritual family the family of God won't you just raise your hand and say I'm not ashamed to be identified with the family of God amen 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 anybody here that you're not sure you're not sure that you're a believer a Christian a child of God a member of God's family you're not sure just raise your hand right now wherever you are let me ask you this are you a member of his family in the spiritual family in the church like Christian Center this church or any church if you're not I challenge you to consider that and say Lord I, I thank you it's a privilege to be saved and it's as an honor and it's an opportunity to be placed into a spiritual family a church and Lord I, I thank you for it how many of you would say that's me I I feel like I'm a member of Light Christian Center. Just raise your hand if you feel like that you're a member here. Amen. 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 If you couldn't raise your hand, if you don't, if you've maybe never, never made that decision, you've been deciding, we pray that you, that you'll consider this as your spiritual family. If it's not, you know, you need to find it because God's got a spiritual family for you. We think this is the greatest family in the world right here. Not only in the world, but in, in all of heaven. Amen. And if that's something that you, you think that you'd like to be a part of, come talk to me and say, Pastor, tell me a little bit more about this family. And, uh, and we want to we do that. We want to share it with you. Because we believe that together, we, nobody can do this on their own, but together we can help raise some kids. We can help provide a 
support and foundation for you as you go through struggles and the difficulties, the challenges, and the, the joys of raising a family. Are we perfect? No. We have all the answers? No. But we know the perfect one, and we know who has all the answers. And we can, we can stand with you, we can pray with you, and we can help work together. And I guarantee you, if we'll do that and not give up and just try to go find an easier road, it makes a difference. And it teaches our kids something, too, that we learn how to, we learn how to, to get along. We learn how to work with people. We learn how to be interdependent, not just independent and going to do our own thing. It really teaches our kids something. And this generation, I mean, all of us, we need to learn that. Would you agree? We need to pray for our children's workers, our leaders in our, our children's area, and for our youth workers. And they got a big job. And, and to some of these kids that got away from us and they're young adults now, we need to snag them and get them back in here. Amen? This is serious stuff, people. It's not about church growth. This is about rapture ready. It really is. So I, I want you to pray for me the next uh, few weeks as we look at this. I, I want to bring it with simplicity to try to help us to understand something that, you know, theology seems so far away. But wait a minute, I, I want us to bring it right in our midst to know God. Sit in his lap and discover who he is and then love him back. Father, we just thank you today for allowing us to come into your presence. But not only that, God, you've brought your presence here. You build your throne in the midst of your people. And Lord, you are pleased when that 149 Psalm when it says there about you take pleasure in your people, that comes after the preceding verses were talking about how they were worshiping you. Lord, Light Christian Center will be a house of worship where we honor you, we love you, and we worship you and teach others to love you. This will be a place, Father, where we can introduce people to you. Lord, help us when we walk out of this place to be excited about you, to know you in such a, a, a new and fresh way in our lives that we want to tell somebody else about it. And when we see someone that's going through some challenges, that we'll just stop and just check to see if they're part of a spiritual family, part of your family, God, and that we just help them become part of your family, that we lead them to you. Lord, just give us compassion for the lost. Lord, give us a desire for us to grow and to help other people grow. Lord, that we can be all that you've designed us and, and designed us to be. Lord, that we can be a church without spot or blemish that can be presented as the bride of Christ. Lord, that's our desire. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for, again, for the opportunity of discovering more about you. We thank you and we give you praise through Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.